Good morning, everyone. Today is a special day. Today is Bluegrass Sunday, and we got the Bluegrass band here. Um, do we have a name yet? We're still working on a name. We'll take uh, we'll take your suggestions. Um, and it's not only Bluegrass Sunday; it's Communion Sunday, and so we are so excited. We're going to be um, talking to people in the congregation about uh, certain aspects of communion. Um, you know, the, how they feel welcome at our communion table, the things they, they, they bring, uh, their gratitude and their memories and all those things. And I'm just looking so forward to it. You know, um, Keith, what's your favorite part of communion? What do you love about communion? Well, you know that, that uh, part in the liturgy where uh, we confess, the prayer of confession? Right after that, um, we're reminded, it's, the liturgy says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that proves God's love. And that's when I, as, the, as a clergy person, or, or, or Becky, we say, in the name of Christ, you are forgiven. And then in that moment, the entire congregation says it back to me. Yeah. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Mm. And in that moment, I feel overwhelmed by that grace and by the, the pardon that I receive. That has to be my favorite. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, been an interesting time these past few months taking communion. I know I've taken communion in some, some, some different kinds of places. Um, Becky, what's the strangest place you've ever took communion? With us and a few others gathered in a mountain stream by a waterfall, freezing uh. cold and barefoot. Yes, because why were we barefoot? We were doing the foot washing service <laughs> for worship, and it was incredibly cold but and fun and a, meaningful. It was. There's one thing I know that uh, it doesn't matter where, when, or how you take communion. I know that uh, if the Spirit's there, it's a powerful thing, and I know that the Spirit has been alive in our communion. So we want to get things started with a lot of Spirit. So um, what song should we get it rolling with, Keith? I'll fly away. I'll fly away. Here, let me hear you G chords. All right, let me hear the G. Oh, Banjos boy. never seem to sound in tune, but that's all right. A one and a two, and a here we go. I'm glad morning when this vibe is over. <laughs> all right, that didn't work too good. You know what? I think we need to call up Uncle Ted White and the Whitewater Bluegrass Company. I've heard them play here before at Pig Pickens and at Music Maker Scenes, and they are one of the best bluegrass groups um, around. Let me see if I can get Uncle Ted and the boys, um, uh, Uncle Ted and the band on the line here. <laughs> Oh, 
All right, this week is communal week. We're excited to be here. And uh, as always, our church is a welcoming church. One of the reasons that, that Allison and I chose this church when we first moved to Waynesville was because it's a communal environment, always looking to extend the welcoming hands of God and church. We really enjoyed that focus, and uh, that's one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, that we decided to come here. While many other congregations, uh, other denominations, uh, really kind of limit the uh, capabilities of participating in communion, the, the beauty of coming into this church in the Methodist ways is we want everyone to come to the table. So we look at our communion table as the very beginning of how welcoming our congregation can be. Uh, we look at the house behind me, the Friendship House. It's, it, to this day, it's been open through our COVID uh, era, and uh, it, it's still providing the opportunities of, of members of our, uh, of our society and our congregation to, to come in and grab food, grab clothes, uh, a safe place to, to sit down and, and you know, be together as much as possible through this, uh, this, this COVID environment. So um, please understand that we want to continue to extend that welcoming opportunity within every capability that we can uh, through such a thing as the, as the Friendship House. And again, we, when we start with the communal table, we're always wanting to welcome everybody in regardless of their affiliation, uh, their dom denomination and, and where they stand right now in society. So now I want to take this time to personally invite you to the table. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what type of uh, background you come from, uh, where you are with your relationship to Christ. The only thing that truly matters is your desire to be a part of it and be with us all together as we take communion this week. Thank you. I believe that confession is very important and an essential part of worship. We need to be reminded that we come before God as sinners who are loved and forgiven. Confession puts us in the proper order. If we confess and open ourselves, then when God forgives us, the forgiveness means so much more and can lead to thanksgiving then and on to repentance. It is important, I think, that we have confession as an act of worship, because if you're like me, we might not do it otherwise. And we need both confession and forgiveness to keep our lives from being distorted, either wallowing in guilt or acting like we don't even need forgiveness because God loves us anyway. And when we confess, we acknowledge that we have a deep need for the love of God. Confession is opening, releasing. Confession is admitting our imperfections and our frailty. Confession is honesty with God, with ourselves, and with others. Confession is regret. Confession is the first step to seeking relief. Confession is the door to repentance and a deeper relationship with God. Corporate confession, such as when we come together in worship, 
prevents us from acting like a Pharisee, from looking around and saying, well, I'm, thank God that I'm not like so-and-so. When we confess together, we realize that we are all so-and-sos. We're all in the same boat together. Confession generally comes early in worship and acts as preparation, an important preparation, preparing us, opening us up to hear the good news as expressed in the scriptures, in the sermon, in the anthems, in the hymns. It's always important every Sunday to have that preparation to truly worship. But as on Communion Sunday, I think it is especially important as we come before God and say, Lord, we're not worthy. And then God says, well, I love you and I forgive you. Come to my table and join with me and your sisters and brothers in this holy meal. With that in mind, looking around at our troubled world and looking inside us at our troubled hearts, let us confess our inadequacy in living up to our high calling as sons and daughters of God. Let us pray together. O God, who spoke of old to prophets and apostles, who spoke eloquently in Jesus Christ, who speaks today, we confess that we have often ignored your voice. We have heard its echo in the cries of those oppressed by racism and the yearning of peoples to determine their own lives and future and from the earth which we abuse, poison, and rape. We have heard your voice silenced by political paranoia cultural arrogance, religious complacency, and self-interest. O voice of God, nurture our desire to be obedient and speak to us as we gather as a virtual but real community. For we pray in Christ's name, amen. Oh
peace, peace, perfect peace. As the hymn says, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. But my nerve endings are raw with anxiety, anger, fear, disappointment. How and where do we find that peace in the living of these days? Moments of peace, yes. A sunrise, a sunset, looking into the innocence and awe of a young child's face. Having someone know you and look at you and say, as Mr. Rogers did, I like you just the way you are. Then come the inevitable storms of life with so many questions and seemingly elusive answers. We have been given the answer to claiming that deep abiding peace that surpasses understanding. In the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. When we pass the peace, we offer to one another the deep, abiding peace of Christ that resides within our souls. Go forth in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know us, I'm Meredith Bradshaw, and this is my dad, Patrick. As we prepare for communion today, we wanted to talk about a few of the many things we are thankful for. Dad? Thanks, Meredith. Um, when we were first asked about spending some time with you this morning, I have to admit, I was a little apprehensive. Um, it's been a busy couple of weeks, but as I started to soak on it just a little bit more. Um, some things just really kind of washed over me um, and, uh, and it became very apparent that um, I probably had a couple things to share. Um, certainly have plenty to be thankful for. Um, one of the first of those is, you know, very thankful to be a part of a church that um, is very intentional with regard to leadership development um, as well as, you know, the growth of disciples. Um, Looking at it through the eyes of a parent, um, Meredith and her classmates have just finished up their confirmation class. Um, they were just confirmed within the past week. Um, and just to see a real commitment, you know, from the leadership of our church to be a part of, of that experience and that process for them, um, you know, not just their presence, but also the depth of learning that they go through. Um, you know, their confirmation class was led by Pastor Keith, 
along with George Thompson. Um, you know, it just, just makes for a great room and a great experience for them. Um, and then two, you know, and looking at it from another angle is, you know, like our summer intern program, um, you know, being part of a church that, you know, just will, will double down, if you will, on investing in our young people and helping them with their growth and the continuation of that, even when they're at, you know, pivotal times in their life, um, you know, such as college. Um, coming home for the summer, you know, plugging them into program uh, development here at the church is just a wonderful thing. Um, you know, we've been here long enough. I've seen that play out to the point, as many of you have, you know, that um, I now know with certainty that there are former summer interns who are now part of our leadership team. And I just think that's really testament, um, you know, to, uh, to the seriousness that, um, that we provide. Um, here at this church through, like I say, both leadership and discipleship. To be a part of a church that understands who we are, um, you know, both with regard to mission as well as matters of social justice. Um, you know, the uh, not just the past few months, but as many of you know, our church has, has covered a lot of ground in understanding who we are over the past couple of years. Um, and, and I just think that's very important. We're I feel very thankful that we are healthy enough as a church to, to bring these issues forward um, and talk openly about them. Um, and, and to borrow words from, from Bert Smith, for, former chair of our leadership team, to make a tent large enough for everyone to be in. Um, and these are things that you know I'm just super, 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 super thankful for. Um, and, and I think it just provides great example, not only for my kids, but for our larger community. So what about you, Meredith? Um, something at First Methodist that I'm very thankful for is when we have communion, it's such a welcoming and open experience for everyone, and um, everyone is welcome at the communion table, which I think is very, very special. And also, I think I'm grateful to be a part of a church who's supported by um, many, many volunteers who give their time um, for the greater good of the church and those around them. Uh, these people have really helped to the development of who I am today. They would be Sunday school teachers, D-cell leaders, Bible mentors, and prayer partners. Yeah, I think we're both just, um, you know, super proud and certainly thankful um, to be a part of a church that, again, understands who we are um, opens our doors to the community and and really strives you know to to grow disciples and impart the you know the love spirit and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ to the greater community thank y'all have a great day our leader got us together and he said to go get a long sleeve shirt and maybe a flashlight he didn't tell us what we would be doing, but we needed the flashlight because when we came back, it would be dark. And so we gathered with about 50 or 60 other people in a big circle in an open field. And Kevin got in the middle and said that, that this was a, an important time, a time when we should take some, a moment to think about who God was and the adventure that we were going to go on and that we were to do this in silence. But while we were doing it, we were to grab a rock and that would be important at the end. So we headed off up this old logging road. It had been washed out by water. Um, 
some of the older boys up ahead were kind of giggling and having a good time. Who could carry the biggest rock? And they thought that was big fun. Me, wasn't really sure what to think about it, but I remember my feet hurting just a little bit as I was walking. And I remember that the further we went, the more my breath kind of became shallower. We got to a flat spot and I noticed a little cork, a quartz rock off the side, so I grabbed it and picked it up. At this point, the older boys weren't laughing anymore. They had thrown some of those big rocks down and traded them in for something a little more manageable. And we turned up the hill again. And at this point, I could feel the sweat rolling down my brow, my breath being a lot shorter. And we made the last turn up this red clay rutted path to a clearing. And I saw it. For the first time, I saw it. Have you ever heard the phrase, you remember it like it was yesterday? For me, this memory feels like it happened just yesterday, even though I am no longer a middle school boy and it was 20 some odd years ago. Memories have this powerful influence on the world that we live in. They have a powerful influence on our lives. They, they shape who we are and they shape who we're going to become. So I was reading passages about communion the other day and I came across a couple, one in Luke and the other in 1 Corinthians that I really like. And the writers use this phrase, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. If you take a look at the Greek translations, you see this word being used called anamnesis, which is the remembering of things from a proposed previous existence. Anamnesis, the remembering of things from a proposed previous existence. And I think this is the perfect word to describe what happens while we take communion. On one hand, we have the past where we remember what Jesus or remember who Jesus was and what he did for us. But also we're being reminded of who Jesus is and what he's doing in this world today. This idea that, that Christ is alive and Christ is risen. So I have a friend who's terrified of heights. She won't get on an airplane if she doesn't really, really have to. She won't get on a roller coaster ever. And if we ever go to a nice overlook or a vista, you won't ever see her that close to the edge. One day, out of curiosity, I asked her, where did your fear of heights come from? And she began to tell me the story of when she was six or seven years old. Um, she took a family ski trip with her dad and her mom and her little brother, and they go to Catalucie. And it's her first time. She gets on the chairlift, or so she thinks she does, and she gets on it just a little bit squirrely, and she finds herself, as the chairlift is going up, she begins to slide down off of her chair. Luckily, her dad grabbed her, but ever since that moment, she has been terrified of heights. That memory that she has, has a profound impact on the way that she lives her life today. And in the same way, us remembering Jesus at communion should have a profound impact on the way we live our lives today. I see it, for the first time I see it. We turn the corner up the red clay rutted path, and there it is, the outdoor chapel at Wilderness Trail this giant 25, 30 foot cross made out of wood, surrounded by a rock altar that was made by all of the campers like myself who had carried a little rock up the hill. We sang a few songs, we listened to some great talks, and then the minister stood up and he took out the bread and he took the cup. He blessed both of them and he said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And it was at that moment he said something that I'll never forget. He said, communion 
is this intersection where memory meets the moment and creates movement in our lives. Today, as we have journeyed through our experience of communion and as we have focused on uh, the really important components of our time together as a congregation each month when we approach this table, uh, we get to this uh, really important part. It's one of my favorite parts. Um, it's, the, it's the prayer over communion. Um, in, in our liturgy, we call it the prayer of great thanksgiving. Uh, it's, it's called the epiclesis, um, the, the pour out your Holy Spirit prayer is, is kind of how I refer to it. Uh, in Greek, it, it literally means invocation. And so it's this uh, invitation for God to, to come and to be present. Uh, pour out your Holy Spirit prayer. It's kind of like saying, God, pour yourself out. And I thought, how does God do that? And I realized as I, I prayed through this prayer again in thinking about our time today that this prayer is full of memory. And so the, the ways that God pours God's self out are, are uh, remembered 
at the very beginning in creation. We, we pray, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. So, so God pours out breath and we become alive, beautiful creatures. And then we remember Jesus at, at the very center of this table. Uh, we remember that he was anointed by the Spirit. We, we remember that he preached good news to the poor, that uh, he, he proclaimed release to the captives and, and, and sight to the blind, that he, he healed the sick and fed the hungry. Uh, we remember that through his death and his resurrection, that he gave birth to the church and delivered us from slavery. And so... When we pray this prayer, we pray Jesus' words where he says, uh, drink from this cup, drink from this all of you. He says, this is my blood of a new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so God pours out God's blood and I'm forgiven you're forgiven. And you know, the Trinity is mysterious. This, this mystery of our, our faith. We, we pray to God the Creator, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so it's the pour out your Holy Spirit prayer. Where we say, pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. Pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine. And so the Holy Spirit comes. And, and the powerful thing about this, as, as we read our liturgy, is that the prayer is making, is asking for, for God's Holy Spirit to, to make ordinary bread, ordinary juice or wine into something sacred and holy. Make this uh, bread and this cup into uh, the body and blood of Christ. And then there's another uh, important part of this prayer. God, pour out your Holy Spirit so that we, those of us gathered in this place, those of us who, whom you've just poured out your Holy Spirit upon, become the body and blood of Jesus. There's this transformation that happens, and it's mysterious, and it's powerful, and it's, it's beautiful, so that in this moment we believe that God's grace and God's presence and God's creative power, uh, God's mercy are all present. And then the prayer continues that the Spirit will bind us together, make us one with God, one with each other, and, and one with the entire world, in ministry with the entire world. So wrapped up in all of this, in this moment, I have this memory that I am beautifully and wonderfully made. And that even though I have wandered away, even though that today and just about every time I stand at this table, I am so aware of my need for forgiveness that God pours out God's spirit and, and I receive pardon. And I'm, I'm renewed in that. And then I'm reminded that I belong. This isn't just about me and Jesus. This is about us and Jesus and that that's what the world needs. 
And so God sends us. And so this is a healing moment for us. And I'm alone here in this sacred space. Some of you are alone at home. Some of you are together with your families. I hope that some of you are actually starting to find some safe ways to to get together with other families or with with those in your circle or, or in your bubble. Because this is a community thing. God pours out God's Spirit on all of us. And so Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he offers it. So this is the body of Christ given for you. It's the body of Christ given for me. And Jesus takes the cup and he offers it to you and and offers it to me. This is the blood of Christ given for you and given for me. And we take this and we remember. We are the body of Christ, given for each other, given for the world. Amen. So after we have received communion, after we have spent time at the table, there's a prayer at the end, the prayer following communion, that sometimes we don't say, sometimes we don't recite. But it's powerful to me because it's a reminder that as we turn away from the table and as we exit, and as we go back to our seats, if we're in our sanctuary spaces, or we go back to our lives or our couches and our homes, we're reminded that we are propelled into this world, that through the strength of the Holy Spirit, we are led to invite others to the table. Because as followers of Jesus, as the living body of Christ, we are sent out to make sure that those who feel unwelcome, those who feel unloved, those who feel like they don't belong at Christ's table, hear the words of love and forgiveness, hear the words of God's grace, and hear the invitation that this table is for them too. You know, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians in chapters 11 and 12, when he recounts the the words of the institution of the Lord's Supper, those words that are printed in our hymnals that we read from or or read from the screens, those very words come from our scriptures. And after they receive, after those first Christians receive, he talks about what it means to be the living body of Christ. And so we go reminding others that they too are members of our body of Christ and the table is available to us all. Thanks be to God. You know, many of you all may be familiar with an album that the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band came out with uh, right in the early 70s. I think it actually hit the market in 1970. It was called Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And the band went back to Nashville and picked up some older, established Nashville musicians and recorded this album. And the title cut, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, is uh, a Carter family tune that I think 
in many ways speaks to this time because even though we're separated and maybe some things have happened in our lives, the circle's not unbroken. We're gonna be united. And with your permission, we'd like to do the old Carter family tune, Will the Circle Be Unbroken?
Well, thank you for being with us today. And I want to take a moment to especially thank everyone who helped bring this service together, all the people who spoke today, and most especially Uncle Ted White and the Whitewater Bluegrass Company. You know, we're going to have a concert this afternoon on this channel. And so I invite you all to come back and experience everything that Whitewater Bluegrass Company has to offer. It's going to be a wonderful concert, and we'll see you back here on the YouTube channel this afternoon. Happy Labor Day.